0: and welcome to another episode of sneak up it's pedestrians podcast dedicated to all things art music dance and all culture sponsored by platypus shoes my name is jack and i'm your host and your avatar for the amazing conversations we've been having here on the show on today's episode i'm coming to you from the esplanade hotel in st kilda melbourne and i'm chatting with melbourne-born singer-songwriter Banofi. she's just moved to la and she's got a debut record look at us now dad coming out in february so what better time to chat than right now Bonoffi, thanks so much for coming on
1: Thanks for having me. My pleasure.
0: So I guess to kick things off, I'll ask, I'm sure you've been asked before, Mm -hmm. why the name?
1: Wow. Yes. I have been asked before. (laughs) sure. This is the most boring uh, answer you can get, but Mm -hmm. I just really like the pie. It's a pie. It's a uh, caramel banana pie. And actually, you know what? I don't even like the pie that much. I just thought the name was stupid Mm -hmm. because... um, It's literally banana and toffee mixed together, a little bit like the whole Brexit thing. I was just like, why do the Brits do this with everything? (laughs) I thought um, the name was so dorky and I am probably the dorkiest person I know. Mm. So I was like, this is very fitting for me to be called banoffee.
0: Okay. And you don't like the pie.
1: I mean, okay. I do like the pie. I used to love the pie and so many wonderful, wonderful people – have made me the pie and brought it to my shows, which right. was so wonderful. But I have now eaten the pie a million times. Uh, so I like to not say that I love the pie anymore because I don't want to eat another pie, to be Let's honest. not encourage
0: people to bring them. Yeah. Okay, cool. Even
1: though it's, very, it's the thought is amazing.
0: Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's amazing. The thought is great. <laughs> um, I've read a number of times that Banoffee isn't really you. It's mm-hmm. sort of a character and a vessel for your music. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me a bit about how you, mm-hmm. Martha, and Benoffi are similar and how you're different?
1: It's interesting. I feel like um, if you'd asked me that question a couple of years ago, I would have a very different answer than I have now. I think... Benafi was a vessel for me to express things that I didn't feel comfortable expressing as who I was. And I got to really um, sort of put on a costume and do that and have fun with it and feel really safe within it. Um, since living overseas and doing a lot of sort of personal work, I now feel like I've been comfortable to completely become that person. And I do now very strongly identify as Banoffee. And I think that Banoffee, and I think that that's been really special for me to be able to do on my own and like a very intense sort of process. But now, um, yeah, I very much, I, I embody that and it is me.
0: My next question was going to be about things you felt like you couldn't say as Banoffee. Mm. But now that you and her are sort of, you know, synonymous. Mm-hmm. Are there things you feel like you can't touch with the project? Topics that Bonoffi isn't ready to talk about or doesn't want to talk about?
1: I think, um, I think this album has proved that I'm ready to speak about it almost anything. I think in the past, I've feared speaking about things in terms of, um, I think sometimes as an artist, when you speak about a certain topic, people assume you're speaking on behalf of everyone. And I think that as long as you're being clear about the fact that you're speaking just for yourself, you can speak about anything. And I'm really ready to be able to be challenged. And I think it's really important to be able to take a risk and say something um, and mean it wholeheartedly, but be able to change your mind about it. And I think that um, having learned that, and being now like I guess having done the research in the things that I believe and the things that I want to say I am okay with saying whatever I mean and being ready to be able to um, be challenged on it and that means being willing to be wrong
0: yeah right okay cool that's something that you don't really hear too often in music I guess like people admitting that they're wrong Um, has with the the next album it's due out in February Mm -hmm. and it's called Look At Us Now Dad can you give me some backstory to the name?
1: Yeah, it's a really emotional track for me. It's the title track of the album and for me it, it came, I think, in order to be able to be comfortable being Ben and being who I really feel is authentically me, I had to do a lot of research into my history and why um, I felt pretty low um, in my young years and also why a lot of people in my family did. Um So I looked back on my history, and a lot of that was to do with my dad and his childhood and the way he was brought up. Um, He had a really interesting childhood. So my my grandmother was born out of a one-night stand with a man on a ship coming from England to Australia. Um, It was a brown man. We didn't know his history at all. We only knew his name was Kalyanwala, which we've later found out is a Parsi name. Um, so she was brought up as, uh, I guess what you'd call a bastard child in those times as a, 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 Brown woman to a white mother, um, and had a pretty difficult childhood. Um, she got her kids taken off her, um, which was my dad, uh, when she had children and she suffered from alcoholism and My dad then suffered from a lot of issues and so did his father. His, um, him and his siblings have all had different mental health issues because of that. Um, and I've been researching the intergenerational trauma that can come from that sort of stuff. And so this song and this album sort of discusses those things that are passed through generations and why I am the way I am and my siblings are the way we are. And, um... Yeah, this song is about sort of celebrating being in places we never imagined we could be in terms of the things that we might have to overcome. So it's really a dedication to my dad and his family and seeing that interwoven into my own life and my siblings' lives as well. Wow.
0: Um, and so, Long answer. <laughs> yeah, no, that was that was amazing. I completely understand it now. Um, I mean, obviously, there would be topics, like you've said, that you would have sort of maybe kind of covered in previous work that you've done how does it Mm -hmm. feel revisiting like opinions and thoughts that you've had with a new lens on this record
1: it's interesting I feel like I feel like I was I'm so glad that I was brave in my past releases in saying how I felt about things but I also feel like Um, it's important to acknowledge that my feelings about certain things have changed and that they probably will continue to change. Um, So this record, it does revisit some themes, but I feel like I was – I often expressed like a strength of emotion in my last releases and saying like, yeah, I want to tell you that I'm feeling this way and that's okay and I've overcome it. And I don't think I had. I think I was – Trying to fake it till I made it, you know, just being like, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm strong, I've got this. And I wasn't, I was just a mess. Right. And I think that this record, um, it's much more like a documentation than saying like, hi, this is how I am now. Mm-hmm. It's like speaking of certain events in my life and looking back on them and um, just sort of sitting with it instead of trying to make grand statements Okay. Um, which for me feels much more real because I just don't know how I am. I don't know who I am at all given times and I'm not trying to be like, I've got this.
0: And so what do you think is the most drastic difference of opinion that you've had, like between something that you made much earlier and something mm-hmm. now? Is there a particular topic or a conversation you've engaged in that feels drastically different on this new record?
1: I think... The main difference um, for me is that I used to see every struggle as something that could be conquered. And I think that I have no need to conquer anything anymore. I don't really want to. I just want to um, experience it all. And for that to be okay, I mean, I absolutely, my dad's Buddhist and he used to tell me this sort of shit all the time. And I used to resent him for it and be like, shut up, dad. (laughs) This whole like happiness is a destination, but we need to focus on the journey. And I'd be like, yep. Okay, cool. Whatever, man. Move the fuck on. (laughs) Um, But it really, I feel like the more and more that I grow up, I realize that I do believe in the things that my dad's told me in that way. And um I think that this record is really different to my past work in the way that I'm not trying to like be the strong person all the time and just conquer everything and be like, Hey guys, we can beat it. Cause I'm like, nah, you can just feel shit and that's fine. Mm. A lot of it. I mean, a lot of the stories about like how much I just completely bombed when I first moved to LA, it's (laughs) like, cool. My car broke down and I'm working like seven jobs. Like shit is rough. And it's not like, I'm going to beat it. It's just like, hey, shit's rough. Yeah, let's talk <laughs> that's about like it. where it ends. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and this is your first album. Like it's the, mm. the debut, but even though you've been making music for so long. Yeah. Why did Right Now and this record feel like the one to be the record and none of your earlier work?
1: I think I didn't have the self-esteem, to be honest. I think I didn't think I was ready to release a full record I didn't have the patience for it I didn't um I was quite manic when I was younger about releasing and it took me so long to release like two five tracks and I just couldn't imagine having the mental sort of stability and um quietness to be able to really sit with work for a long amount of time and create a lot of it whereas now I feel like I have the confidence to be able to know that my work is going to withstand the amount of time it makes it takes to make a large record. Mm -hmm. But also um, just like the, I guess, like confidence in my own mental health and mental stability to be able to like put something out and trust in it for a long amount of time.
0: That's great. Did um, that make any sense? It did. It did. Okay. I'm, I'm really glad that second. you feel that way now. That's great. <laughs> Thank you. That's okay. Um, now, we touched on just a moment earlier, your struggles when you moved to LA. Um, I wanted to talk about that a bit. Why mm-hmm. did you decide to move?
1: I needed a refresh. I was saying yesterday... Someone asked me this question and I was like, it is a complete lie that you can't run away from your problems. I was like, I fucking did it. I just <laughs> ran. I just fucking ran and it worked. Cool. <laughs> I I just needed a, a refresh. I felt like I'd gone through a lot in Australia and Melbourne that I couldn't escape and everything seemed to be a trigger for it. You know, I didn't know who I was going to bump into on the street or – um people were going to know certain things about me that I felt ashamed of at the time. You know, I struggled with um, addiction and a lot of mental health issues and and everyone seemed to be treading on eggshells around me all the time and even them so wonderfully like wanting to do that but it felt like they didn't have confidence in me being able to survive it Mm. and I needed to go somewhere where people didn't know that, where I could just completely rebuild and be someone else. And I think that that's when I really stepped into this persona a lot. I was like, I don't need a vessel to express these things in a vessel where I can pretend to be strong and the person that didn't go through the shit, I can just be that. And so for a while, I really did erase my history. And um, although that's not sustainable, it is for a little bit. And erasing your history for a short amount of time can actually make you like help you to like build the muscle to then be able to slowly let bits back in and finally I sort of um became okay with I guess being the person I've grown into but accepting the person I was back here and they've sort of melded into some weird mushy hybrid
0: (laughs) (laughs) cool I have never been more okay with the idea of a weird mushy hybrid
1: yeah I'm a mushy hybrid sick (laughs) don't buy don't buy it don't buy the car but become the mushy hybrid human
0: and how are you finding LA now that you've sort of done this this reset?
1: I love it. I love it because I think LA is a place where a lot of people have done that. And although America is a completely fucked place in a lot of ways, yep. California is like completely different. And it's a place where people can go to escape communities that didn't accept them or places where there are restrictions on certain things they can't acquire. You know, I feel like um, it's a really progressive uh, state. But for <laughs> me, it's also like band camp. Like people from all over the world have gone there to make music and everyone wants to collaborate.
0: Oh, I thought you meant the website, but you actually mean like this one time at Bandcamp, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. It's a great place to be. To escape your troubles and become some weird, mushy
1: hybrid user.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right. Okay, cool. Well, that sounds like it's going really well.
1: It is. I love it. Come visit.
0: (laughs) Uh, I'll go back to the work now. Mm -hmm. Um, you collaborated with Empress Of on your latest track, Tennis Fan. I did. What was she like to work with?
1: She's great. She's actually one of my best friends, so that was super fun. That's convenient. Yeah, so (laughs) convenient. Um, She was really helping me through a lot of the crap that um, inspired that song, and so it felt so fitting to have her do that bridge. Um, It was so much fun, and then making the video together was just like, I felt sorry for everyone cause we were just in hysterical laughter the whole time. And like, you know, it wasn't like a fast moving, like, all right, this scene, this scene, this scene. Cause we were just like a bag of giggles for the entire day. Cool. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's so fun making music with your best friends. If I could do that every day, I'd be happy.
0: Oh. And I wanted to talk about the video actually. I've always sort of like your music has always had, or usually had these really hyper stylized and really visually engaging videos to go with them is Releasing videos like a big must for you in the process?
1: Yes, I love it. It's, uh, I often think of the video before the song's even finished. Um,
0: like a soundtrack to something
1: yeah, visual. Yeah, exactly. I think it helps with the narrative, the lyrics. Um, it's also just so much fun. I actually have. Sadly, I can't afford to do it. But I have videos for every song on the album. Like I have concepts written out for every single one. I just could only make them for the singles, you know. So, But it's such a big part of the process for me. I think because um, I see a lot of music in colors and pictures and texture, which is why fashion also comes into my music a lot. So for me to be able to live that out, it makes the song feel whole. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, because I think it doesn't make sense to someone when they're like, oh yeah, so count on you. What do you think of that song? I'm like, yeah, it's so green. And they're like, what? And I'm like, well, it's green.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You don't know what I'm talking about.
1: Yeah. But I'm like, now you do. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Watch the video. Is that like a, a synesthesia? Like, would you say you have synesthesia?
1: I would say I do. I think that some people have it a lot stronger than me. Like some people very strictly, uh, see in color only whereas mm-hmm. for me texture is always just as um just as clear to me as the color of the song okay it'll be a shape and a texture and a color but it yeah i guess you would call it sinness sinis- i never say the word it's like hard I word yeah hey.
0: you've got to really found it out.
1: Exactly, which is definitely a purple word by the way.
0: <laughs> well, I was about to ask, can you get sounds off textures? Like what sound is this is this room making a sound, would you say?
1: Yeah. Yeah, this this room is definitely making a sound, and it would also feel a certain way. Okay. Um do you want to know what sound it makes? Absolutely. Okay. Well, <laughs> this room, it's interesting cuz it's really warm. Mm-hmm. So for me, this room would be making um it'd be like a warm drone almost the way – you know when you put on – okay, no, you probably won't. You might, making film, when you put on headphones and you've already armed a track, Mm -hmm. um, you get this feedback sound but sometimes before it goes into full feedback, it's like this really warm, small drone and I feel like this room would make that. It would also feel a little bit like – a sea anemone, you know, the ones you stick your finger in and they suck you. <laughs> yes. It'd feel like that, but it wouldn't suck on your finger. It'd be like if it didn't suck on your finger and you just got to pat it.
0: Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm into that. It is a very wel- welcoming looking room.
1: Does that, yeah. How do you feel about that?
0: I feel a lot more comfortable.
1: <laughs> it actually, I mean, it's carpeted walls now that I feel yeah. That, yeah. so I'm doing well. <laughs> I've really bad eyesight, so I didn't know that.
0: Yeah, right. But you, fe- you felt it.
1: Yeah, I did. I felt it. I'm so spiritual.
0: (gasps) um, Mm Performance-wise, you're usually doing things solo on -hmm. stage. Um, Will Bonoffi ever look to sort of include a lot of other regular performers?
1: I often have dancers, which I really enjoy. I might employ other musicians at some point, but to be honest, that shit just costs so much money. (laughs) Fair. Everyone's like, oh, it must be a creative choice to be on your own. I'm like, "Mm." Like, yeah, sure. (laughs) If you want to say that. If you want to say that. Um, But I guess it is because I'm a control freak. Right. And the thing is about performing on my own is, okay, some – I'm going to go into gender politics here a little bit. But when you watch a man play on stage, I think – It's very rare that after they play, you go up and say, oh, who wrote that song or who produced it? Mm. But unless you're playing everything on your own on stage as a woman, a lot of the time people come up to you and say, who produced this song or who wrote it? And that for me is like really confronting and enraging. And I think, um, it's definitely an ego thing, um, which I should probably work on at some point, but I do, I'm just like, fuck you, I made it. Yeah, Like. Right. Um, so, fuck you. And for me, like playing on my own, it's important because it really represents how the song was made. I never want to discredit the other producers who helped me make these songs and they do. You know, Eve Rothman um, co-produced this record with me and obviously there are a lot of collaborators on it. But in terms of Banoffee as a project, it's just me and it's my life. And so, um, I, I do find it confronting when people assume that it's something that someone else made. Mm. And I think that um, it really is like an ego thing. Me being on stage on my own, I'm like, fuck you, I did make it. Like, it is just me. Um, and it expresses that. But once I work through those issues maybe i'll get other people on the
0: stage fair enough fair enough i kind of wanted to touch on that whole politics for a second what do you think that we as music listeners can be doing to make music a more inclusive and respectful space
1: that's such a big question i know um but it's a really good one i think we're getting there i think that um This is where I see the issues in um, inclusivity in music. I think it's – I think consumers are being given opportunities to be inclusive because of the people who are featured on radio and places being more inclusive and, you know, venues being more gender neutral, um, which is great. I think it's got to be higher up. I think we need to be having, you know – more inclusive radio presenters, more inclusive um, and gender diverse people in the industry higher up ANRs radio presenters um, PR record labels if if we have a more diverse sort of cast of people presenting music we're going to be getting a more diverse range of music mm. I think that for me like when I'm going into um radio interviews and doing the blogs and also like the people I work with higher up it's like it's pretty rare that I'm working with someone queer or you know there, there aren't many women um in the in the higher up um industries and I think for me that's just like really boring and um it also creates spaces that are less inclusive because they're having to like speak with allies in order to understand what they should do instead of just living and breathing that life. Mm. Um, So I think as consumers, maybe the best thing people can do is just be questioning the institutions and um, the organisations that are providing them with music that they listen to. Um, And as an artist, I need to be demanding more of that too. And I think that, you know... Artists, we are put in a difficult position because at the end of the day, we're also like struggling to financially survive. So sometimes you get offered a, a festival slot or a radio slot and you want to be able to say, I'm not going to play that unless you, you know, employ X amount of people. But at the same time, you're like, fuck, I need the paycheck. Mm. And it becomes a really difficult constant sort of conundrum in our work is to be like, what can I play and what can't I play in a way that like fits with my ethics? Um, and so I wish we weren't presented with that conundrum so often. I wish it was already done for us and we could just be comfortable playing.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, whereas it does... To
0: be the agents of change. Yeah.
1: It's like I need to pay my rent and I also need to be the agent of change all the time. And I wish that we weren't the ones sort of having to push that and that people higher up we're really putting in the work so that we didn't have to. Hopefully. That was tough to answer. I hope I got that. You did it really well. Okay. That was great. Thank on, you.
0: On the other side of the coin, I think this would be a great time to say this. We've got this section on the show which is called shout outs. Yes. Um, and it's basically a time where our guests can sort of, you know, speak to people that they think we should really be checking out, can drop some names. Mm-hmm. So, Bonofi, who would you like to shout out?
1: Okay. You told me about this, so I'm prepped. Yes. I wanna shout out <laughs> Dorian Electra, who's an artist who's actually coming to Australia in February. Um, an amazing queer non binary artist who I toured with on the Charlie X tour, who makes really political but also really light hearted music, which I'm so into and I feel like it um, can't like it provides amazing messaging in beautiful fun packaging, I guess you'd put it. Cool. Um, you should look up Dorian Electra. They just released a song called Adam and Steve, which is great. Great, and I think you I should mean to look at I also <laughs> really want to recommend one of my best friends, um, called HTML Flowers, who oh, yeah, has yeah. Uh, a Zine um, mini series called No Visitors. And um, Grant is um, a sufferer of cystic fibrosis. He really does fund um, his recovery through these comics and also discusses really important issues about disability and the visibility of disability in Australia and worldwide. And I think that that's something that everyone should be reading and supporting him in a really um, rough and uh, unsupported industry. Oh, also go to Kenny Lover. Have you guys been to Kenny Lover yet? No, what is it? Now I've done arts, <laughs> comics. Kenny Love is a new ice cream shop. Oh,
0: okay. In cool. Thornbury.
1: And it's ice cream and hot chips together. And they use native flavors. Um, And it's fucking cool. I went there and they gave me a bunch of ice cream last week. And not only was the ice cream like fucking good, but the interior is like all orange um, velvet. And you feel like you're like a 70s gangster.
0: Sick. Okay. How does ice cream on hot chips work? Does well, it melt? Surely.
1: Well, it's not on. So what you do is remember as a kid, maybe this didn't happen, but we used to be able to get, oh, I don't want to plug McDonald's here, but like once every blue moon, we would get McDonald's and mm-hmm. it was very rare and we would dip our hot chips in our thick shake. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's that vibe. So you okay. get hot chips next to the ice cream. Right. And the idea is that you do the dip. It's sounds really, really dank. Yeah.
0: Okay, cool. What was it called again? Kenny Lover?
1: Kenny Lover. Cool.
0: All right. So, Banoffi, um, what's
1: next for you? Well, I have the album coming out in February, mm-hmm. which is called Look At Us Now, Dad. And before that, I'm going on tour with Wafia around oh, cool. Australia. I love her. I think she's amazing. Oh, yeah. She's great. Oh, just pop dream. So, that's going to be really fun. And then I'm doing a couple of little launch shows, one in Sydney and... And my launch show in Melbourne will be um, in conjunction with uh, Virgin Fashion Week, which will be a bunch of fun. So, I've got a lot coming up in the next couple of months, and hopefully, I'm back on the road around the world.
0: And what sort of like as my final question? I feel like this is a good note to end on. Mm -hmm. um, What sort of advice can you give to young musicians and creatives?
1: Be arrogant. Don't tell anyone. Don't let anyone tell you you're too arrogant in your opinions because the best way to learn is to say something that you completely believe in and be shut down.
0: Words to live by. I think for everybody, not just young creatives. Yeah. Cool, great. Well, Binoffi, thank you so much for coming on the show. That was great. Thank you. That's it for another episode of Sneak Up. If you liked what you saw, be sure to subscribe to the Pedestrian Podcast Network on iTunes, Spotify and YouTube too. See you next time.